So I'm delighted this afternoon to be with Will, Will Stokes. So Will, you, you presented at the Commercial Property Summit uh, on one of the most interesting subjects for myself, a subject which I'm passionate about, which is uh, co-working. So um, I was using co-working space before the lockdown. Lockdowns meant I'm not using it now. And I'm itching to go back into, uh, I was going to say lockdown, not lockdown, but uh, going to my co-working space again. So, look, I understand the business model probably better than a lot of people because I'm an end user um, rather than an invest in co-working spaces. Well, do you want to just explain how you got into the co-working space, first of all? Yeah, sure. Um, so for those that don't know me, my background is commercial Dresi development. So I've kind of been in property since 2015. Um, it was around kind of the 2017-18 mark when obviously what's happening with the high street is changing and, and buildings are kind of becoming vacant that you guys will see. And I started looking at them thinking there's got to be a better use class than just turning them into more apartments, especially since councils weren't open to you know apartments on the high street. They're a lot more open to it now, but at the time they weren't. They were mixed use. So I thought, I reckon that there's a way that we could create a co-working space or a branded offering that's not London-based, but brings that kind of London aesthetic to the regional locations. Um, and what I was surprised to find was that there's a lot of commercial assets available that lent themselves perfectly to that. So that kind of led me down the route of looking at these buildings 2017 to you know launching a, a site 2018 and then launching two more sites later this year. So... In terms of your co-working space, I have to admit, I didn't realise it until you sent me a message or I heard it somewhere. A lot of your co-working was former retail converted into um, co-working. So, look, most people, very few people would suggest, say that co-working is a dying industry. In fact, most people say it's a growing industry post-COVID-19. So... In, in terms of the opportunities for investors, though, it's not so simple just to open a co-working space. There's a lot more attached to it than that. Partly the brand is key. What, what surprised you about opening a co-working space? Because most people think, let's get super fast Wi-Fi. Um, let's get you know, a nice environment. But there's a lot more attached to a co-working space. What, what surprised you about co-working? Yeah, I mean, the, there's there's two sides to it, right? There's the propco side and the opco side, and, and the co-working is primarily focused around the operation side, which if you're a property, what I'm tending to see is a lot of property guys which have a commercial building, you go, I'm going to give this a go. And there's this fine line between a business centre and a co-working space or what is you know a flexible workspace. It's more a flexible workspace than co-working. Um, and it, 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 it comes down to... Well, well, sorry, sorry. Where do you see the difference between co-working and flex workspace? Okay, cool. So co-working is very much open plan desking, you know, for freelancers, SMEs, whatever. Flexible workspaces is taking that co-working field, but building in flexible office suites, you know, three months terms, six months terms. Typically, our floor plate is 85% serviced office versus co-working. So we're known as a co-working company, the same as many of the big operators are. But actually, the backbone is kind of the serviced office piece. Um, and that, that's kind of a fundamental difference for me. You, you, the business centre differentiation is going back to, look, here's your four walls, fit it out however you want it. You know, we do the entire solution. So we furnish it, we put in all the comms, that entire piece. Um, I think a point that you just made really quick is that the market is going to boom post-COVID-19. I genuinely believe that. And I think the thing to go back a little bit, not to jump around, but is 
that the operations side is key and it's taken us three years to figure that out and to figure out how to actually deliver it, which has led us down more of a successful route. I mean, we just had a call with LNG recently and we're looking at taking on one of their sites to do a management agreement on. So we'll operate it, it'll be under our brand and then we'll do a, a revenue share and pay them a I, I have to admit, well, I didn't know LNG were involved in co-working or flexible working. Is that so brand new or? So they're not, they're not involved in it from an operations point of view. They're involved in it from a landlord point of view because they, they hold multiple assets, right? But what they're also involved in, and it comes back to the point you raised earlier, is they hold a lot of retail assets. And for us, we're looking at repurposing retail. You know, if you walk into a shopping centre or you walk down a high street, there's probably one third of those units are all vacant. It's, it's getting pretty bad now. And a lot of the big ones are pretty vacant. Um, so we're looking at a repurposing, working with funds, whether it's legal in general, you know, Scottish, whatever, to actually take some of their units, put them through planning, get change of use, see if we can do an offering, do our management agreements, so it's low risk to both of us, but also to repurpose those retail assets because you're not going to turn them into apartments. You know, on the high street, most definitely not on the ground floor. I don't think any council is going to sign that off yet. So it allows us to bring a solution that can pick up on where the market's going and then you can create these serviced office spaces and you can you can generate revenue that way to a landlord. You, you think the likes of LNG could be persuaded to have retail on the ground floor still and on the upper sections flex working? Um, I think so. I think what you need is you need ground floor presence, whatever you're doing in terms of flex working, whatever. You need to have some ground floor presence. Even, e if, e even for flex working, you, you really need ground floor? I think so. For the brand piece, yes. Yeah. If you've got a business center, not so much. You know, if you've just got 10 office suites that you're just going to let out, it's easy, job done. But if you've actually got the reception piece there, breakout space, all that piece, you want to have ground floor. Mm. It is interesting because I use a co-working space and I'm thinking, you know, what, what floor access do I use and, and so forth. I have personal preferences about which one I prefer um, about. And, and to be fair, it's mostly about geographical location more than and anything else. It's about getting the location right. And it's literally 50 yards at most from Oxford Street, which is Europe's busiest shopping street, 200 million footfall, four million yeah. a week. Um, yeah, it's I not gone. I think I know where you're a member as well. So I know the founder, or there's two founders actually, and I know one of them. Um, I think you're work.life, right? Work, work.life, yeah. So it's, it's a fantastic location. I have to admit, I haven't been to their new location, Holborn. I'm not sure it actually opened. It was due to open. I think they've had to postpone the opening because of COVID-19. Yeah. I went to the launch of their um, Hammersmith. That's a nice one. Yeah, that, that, that's one I've never been to. And, and, and partly because of its location, it's, for me, too far from the centre of London. I hope Elliot's not listening to me, or maybe he is. But, you know, that, that's my personal preference is it's, it's just too far away. Maybe, I'm not sure if Crossrail is going to have an impact in Hammersmith or not. Um, but let's say if you're on the east side of London, and center is easy if you go all the way to the west side that, that's such a stretch that could take over an hour uh maybe more to be fair and when you've got the option of just working from the center of london um you know for me i, I prefer working in east london possibly but there aren't that many good places in east london one which has opened in the last six months which i've not actually visited um but in stratford but you know very few and far in between 
So how do you, and possibly you won't have this challenge post COVID-19 and, and who knows when post COVID-19 is as well. And what does post COVID-19 really mean? Because I've seen some people talk about the uh, lockdown being um, released, but into stages. So lockdown period one, where the likes of the barbers were reopened and then lockdown two and then lockdown three. So when we say post COVID-19, we might not even be talking about 2020. It could easily be 2021. Yeah. So my view is, I mean, this is just my opinion. My opinion is that this is going to get lifted towards the back end of May and around the start of June, things will start to return to normal. Now, like you said, those, those normalities might be phased and I think they will be phased. I think you're very correct on that. Um, I think there will be, I always talk that there's going to be a boom in the flexible workspace sector. I'm a big believer in that. But I also believe Technically, has there never really been a boom in the co-working space in UK? there's been a boom over the last 10 years it went from being a fad to actually being a trend and it's boomed since but i think there will be a lag of four to six months where people go you know what well actually i've worked from home and i i wrote i wrote a bit on it on, on linkedin there's a big difference between flexible working and remote working versus working from home and working from home is great for the first kind of two to four weeks but after that you hate it right and you're shaking your head because you know it's true and i'm the same but yeah. i think I realize this and, work, and what we'll see is traditional industries such as lawyers, accountants, these guys that have always brought people into a central office will go, well, actually, we've seen that actually our team can work from home and they can get on. Why are we dragging people in when we could just bring them in two, three days a week and then they could work from a satellite office for the other two days? And I think what we'll see six months after COVID is people start to put these satellite offices, you know, why are they bringing 30 people in from Reading when they could just stick them in a co-space office there? Why are they doing the same? I think that will be the boom. But, but it'll take time. Look, I, I know where I work. Work life has got a, a you know an address and so forth. But if you Google it, it will come up. Work life. Do you, do you think that makes a difference to people nowadays, or people change their mindset about you know where your office is actually located? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so at all. I mean, what I've seen is I've seen larger you know, larger members that just put the address, they don't put the work.life piece, right? So if it's, you know... No, I understand that they just put the address, but if people Google it, will come up work.life, Oxford Street. Yeah, I don't think... Um, if anything, I think it's a bit bit of a smarter play because it means that you're working to reduce your overheads. You only... The, the big benefit about flexible workspace, right, is if you have a traditional office that's 10,000 square foot, you're probably working in 6,000 square foot. You've got two breakout space that you're paying for and another two in meeting space that you're paying for. But what you can do in flexible workspace is completely cut down the amount of space you're paying for and then utilise the services as when you need them. Breakout space is free, so people just use that anyway. Meeting room hire, you get so many credits within your, you know, whatever you, your membership level is and it normally covers you. You might have to buy a bit more, but it, it, as a rule, it balances out. Mm. And that, that is a really good point, which I never considered before about because I'm not a traditional office. I've never used a traditional office. I've used, it's gone from Regis to work.life. So, um, and I had a lag to be fair between Regis and work.life and uh, Regis, to be fair, I liked it as well, but obviously there's a difference between a Regis um, who I think changed hands recently. I could be wrong on that and, and work.life. Regis um, um, became IWG. So IWG was the group holder anyway. Um, but they also own the Spaces brand, and the Spaces brand is more in tune. That's the Spaces, yeah. 
Yeah, and and they they've done that, but at the same time, there's essences of we just sneaking back in. Um, I was just going to say just then the the data that we've done, we've done it on 10, 20, and thirty person office suites. That typically flexible workspace space as a whole is twenty five percent cheaper than traditional renting of a building. As a, as a rule of thumb. Yeah, that, that that's, that's interesting to see that. Um, so twenty five percent reduced. Do you think that's where where was that geographically came from that survey? I.e., was it outside of London? Yeah, outside of London. Yeah, yeah. It's slightly more inside London. Okay. So look, you're talking about a rise in popularity of a flex space or co-working space. I think you used the word flex space. Um, in terms of six to maybe you said nine months, six to nine months post COVID. 19 so that that really brings us into hopefully i don't want to you know preempt but hopefully that brings us into 2021 yeah. people talk about the growth in terms of co-working or flex working of differences so creating niches so um, i spent some time with a, an architectural firm who showed me some co-working space which was bizarre for me but you know it was focused on uh, on a niche which had people abseiling and also working as well um and the architectural firm i spoke to believe that that's going to be a growth trend not necessarily abseiling but creating niches in in the mm. co-working you, you agree with that yeah 100 100 and not to not to bring them up but what shook up the market completely was we work you know, WeWork came in and went, bam, this is our offering. This is what we deliver. We just are kind of here because they're, they're a business center. And anybody else that wanted to get involved in that kind of space, because they were the two main kind of players, had to go, well, what can we do different? You know, and you've got some that are, are slightly scaled back, such as us and, and potentially Work.Live. And then you've got super high-end ones like Fora, Fora. that are trying to differentiate themselves. I mean, if you go into the Fora in Reading, they've got a tree that grows out the middle of the atrium. You know, you've got a you've got a market position yourself and those it's almost guys, like gymnasiums 100 percent. yeah 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 and the thing is no matter what people want variety you you almost need to be able to join these different things like i always put it to the analogy of going into a, a shop and picking up a chocolate bar right sometimes you might want a dairy milk other times you might want you know a nestle Kit Kat. you want variety even if you buy the same thing you want to still feel like you've got choice mm. and that's what that's why I like other occupiers and I always look at what they're doing and they look at what we're doing because we're all in this together and we're all going to share in the same member base at some point. And I think there's plenty to go around. I mean, serviced office is about 2% of the current market in terms of flex space. It's still only 2% of all office or commercial let. In, in UK, Will? In the UK, yeah. yeah. And, and does that vary depending whether we're talking about America or Europe? Um, I don't know the data. I would imagine so. It varies most definitely if you're going somewhere like London, Manchester, Leeds, the big six, because um, those guys are just, you know, so far ahead. I mean, Manchester is pretty much on par with London. Um, we're looking at a space that is on the management agreement that's not in London, but it's on, it's probably an hour and a half commute from London. Mm. And the desk rates there are just astronomical. If I charge them anywhere else, even, even on par with like where Reading is, you know, they, they just the prices are so high it's just it's a weird like ecosystem yeah i i spent some time very very brief time in, in madrid at uh, a conference which was focused on tech i'm always interested in tech um and had a spare day 
and I, I work from a co-working space and for me it was a pleasure much partly because it was a great location um good price as well and it's also it's different from working in a hotel because you know even that madrid um co-working space you, you people were interested in what you were doing and everyone's running their own business and some businesses may be growing that way some people may be going at a faster pace but everyone you know people generally more interested in you know and it's it's a great way so that's why personally i don't like working from home because you, you don't have that community um yeah. talking about community you, you you have community in different ways will because you, you've also got your own podcast as well um do you want to just explain a little bit about that podcast i think you're on to episode 47 something like that yeah 40 46 47 is out tomorrow. Yeah. so uh, yeah, yeah no very good very good um yeah, so we launched a podcast, uh, me, me and my friend Sam, about, it'd be almost a year ago now, um, and it's called Business Over Beers. And it means two things. The first thing is we wanted it to be super informal. So we literally sit down with someone, not at the minute, I'll, I'll add this by Zencaster at the minute, but we typically sit down with people, we'll have a couple of drinks, some wine, some beer, some cider, whatever, and we'll just talk about business. And what we find is people open up and they become a lot more, more relaxed and it becomes this you know, less corporate kind of thing. But the second meaning that people don't realise is we'll always choose business over beer. We'll always choose doing what needs to be done over going for drinks or whatever. So it's about, it's more like an entrepreneurship and business podcast, but we try and get on a whole range of people from different sectors. Um, we've got a podcast again next Tuesday with a guy who's been on before, a guy called Charlie Sampson, who was the former CEO of Saatchi and Saatchi, one of the world's biggest marketing agencies. Uh, how have you managed to attract him, Will? So it's by pure luck. So Sam's brother works in finance out in... He was out in Bangkok. He's out somewhere else now. I can't remember where it is. Might be Manila. Uh, and he did some financial advice and kind of the accounts and systems for Charlie. So he said, you need to chat to my brother. He's got this podcast. We got in touch and we managed to get on the phone. It, it took us about four weeks to get him on the phone. It did take a while, but we got it. Yeah. Uh, what, do, you, do you remember the episode which uh, he was on before? I don't. I want to say 30 something, but um, it'll be on the website. If you go to B over B, so just B and then over b.co.uk they're all on there all previous guests so so your podcast has been around for about a year is that right yes yeah okay so is there any other sort of like um, people you've interviewed a high profile like charlie uh we've had neil everett from salenti he was a he, he's a really good guy he's ceo of a company they've got 80 odd people and the reason we like him most is because he's got the best company culture ever um so you know he's been brilliant there's there's a whole range of guests that we've had on the show that have been amazing to, to handpick a few would be quite difficult because they're all amazing in their own rights so just one final question about opportunities yeah. so uh, how can people reach you and what opportunities are you open to as well so that's two questions but sure um so i'm on most social media i'm probably most active on facebook and instagram so mr william stokes and then i think it's just either William Stokes or Mr. William Stokes. It's, it, it'll come up on um, on Facebook as well. Um, open to multiple opportunities. You know, we we are closing a funding round at the minute. We're talking to a lot of investors that want to come on board and are still kind of acting in this COVID-19, so open to those conversations. But equally, if you're a landlord and you've got a commercial asset and you're interested in this flex space, we can happily sit down and agree, you know, we can either lease the building from you or we can do a management agreement if you want to get involved. There's several several options. Well, I just want to say a massive thanks for taking time out this afternoon. I look forward to catching up with you 
very soon. And, and just for the listeners out there, massive thanks for taking time out listening. And if you've got in, interesting, important people for me to interview or you think there's an interesting topic, then do get in contact. So, well, I just want to say massive thanks for taking time out and to the listeners as well. Thank you.